And uh, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Meru Media Podcast. Uh, my name is Mukunda Raghavan, um, and I'm also joined. Co-host today is uh, a friend, my cousin, uh, Krishna Parthasarthi, who's a musician. And we actually have a very special guest uh, today. Now, again, I say this all the time, special guest, but every guest is special because they bring something so unique and beautiful about our tradition, our culture, our history, that it's nothing but our own um, privilege to have these people uh, come on the show and talk to us. So today we have Dushan Sridhar, who is an Upanyasaka, um, or in English we would say uh, a lecturer, but in a, in a much more narrative storyteller type than really just a lecturer like a professor. So he is an expert on Vishishta Dvaita Vedanta and Sri Vaishnavism. Um, he has also started a fantastic website called Deshika Daya, which, uh, .com, um, which is a repository of Vedic scriptures, information that anyone can get. And on a side note, he is also an actor. Well, he acted in one movie, particularly, about uh, Vedanta Deshika, where he also wrote and sang in it. And it was a fantastic movie. Um, so, uh, Dushan, thank you so much for joining us. You know, uh, we're, we are very uh, blessed to have you here. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to, to really practice and understand and get into the heart of uh, Shri Vaishnavism? Uh, namaskaram uh, Mukunda and uh, Namaskaram Krishna. It's a pleasure to be in conversation with two people uh, who have uh, regards, respect, and a lot of zeal to know about our uh, Vedic civilization. Um, I'm Dushyant Sridhar. I was uh, born in Bangalore, largely raised in Bangalore. I come from a, a, a pious family, but very unconventional uh, for being an Upanyasaka, a public speaker on Indic scriptures, because my mother would listen to Harry Belafonte and uh, Abba in her, uh, I still remember we used to have those cassettes. Yeah. And my father sports a, uh, uh, used to be sporting a huge mustache, which was a big taboo for uh, being a father of an Upanyasaka. <laughs> and uh, he was from St. Joseph's and the Indian Institute of Science, Bangalore. So that way, uh, I was raised in a very unconventional background. None whom my hands can, could reach uh, were in this um, art of dispensing knowledge in the traditional fashion. Nevertheless, I was uh, put into uh, uh, the learning of uh, Sanskrit shlokas, right from <laughs> Deshika Stotramala to uh, Narayaniyam to Bhagavad Gita and so on, as well as uh, the Tamil uh, hymns called Nalaira Divya Prabandham by the mystic saints called the Alvars at a very young age. Again, with not the intent that he would become a speaker one day and will be talking to uh, Mukunda over Zoom. Uh, but it was uh, not withstanding me at home that they wanted to find an avenue out. So uh, uh, barely did they think that this avenue that I was put into would one day become my passion turned profession. Mm. So, uh, so I was, uh, 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 I studied in a convent for some time and then I moved to another school in Chennai and uh, then I went to Pilani. So this is about my uh, 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 regular schooling. Mm. 
besides uh, stu- uh, studying this of course i learned the sanskrit hymns and the tamil hymns at about while i was in my higher secondary i got to know that uh, the pontiff of shri ahobalamat who was the mm-hmm. 45th pattam uh, aragishingar who is his holiness narayana itindra mahadeshikan uh, was delivering lectures to the us audience over teleconference between 2001 and 4 on a very rare work of tirumangayalvar in tamil called as tirunadin tandagam so that's deemed as a work that brings the quintessence of vedanta so uh, even without informing my parents i used to go to those classes after my coaching classes were done because my parents uh, had only one aim that i should become an engineer like the 27 engineers that we have in our family so uh, so if i weren't one probably i would be an outcast or i would be gilletoned mm. so um, uh, so i went to those classes and found those classes a bit of an oht oht is overhead transmission right uh, Um, oh, oh, but overhead transmission oh so, so so this is a uh, oh no this is a age old term used by bitians uh, <laughs> to have this as lingo so uh, then after i went to bits um, while i thought that uh, i was reciting uh, hymns my hmm. vice chancellor and dean said why don't you start giving upanyasams so it was just a a maiden and amateur venture of a novice and then i started giving and the, the, the little population that used to attend maybe 30 or 40 students of my batch who used to attend who basically wanted to encourage me and motivate me mm. kind of liked it then mm. i came to bombay for a period of over 6 years i worked uh, full time with uh, various multinational corporations in market research and strategy alongside i started releasing uh, 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 cds dvds and uh, started giving public lectures at one point in time the bookings were so high that i had to call one of them quits then i took the lo- road less traveled by as what robert frost says and uh, mm-hmm. came up to being an upanyasaka wow that's a it's a long interesting journey i mean how did you what really drove you to to learn about these i mean like 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 krishna and i myself and i imagine a lot of people from whatever tradition in india um would learn some of their like stotras like i grew up learning like you know nyasa dasakam sharanagati gatyam and you know all these things but these were just rote memorization right as a kid your parents teach you 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 chant it and then that just goes on right just but what what drove you to really want to jump into this and learn about it um see one is of course uh, what we learn and what we read and what we know so mm-hmm. that's the content that we derive or harness from our scriptures mm-hmm. through various means it could be shravanam kirtanam whatever method yeah the second is how we deliver that content so this how we deliver is what makes an upanyasaka and what i know is what makes a gnani so an upanyasaka necessarily has to understand what he or she should learn and should also kind of hone his skill of taking this content to the masses because uh, when i deliver a content in tirupavai or let's say that's a it's a, that's a work by andal and uh, uh, let's take i deliver something on ramayanam i will have a variety of audience so when i come to the bay area i have an audience there when i come to los angeles i have the malibu temple when i go to new uh, new jersey i may have a chinmaya mission when i go to a dharavi the la- probably the largest slum in asia and bombay so i have 500 audience who are abs- 
I would say mutually exclusive to the audience in uh, Bay Area. When I speak from the understanding perspective, mm. so but the person who's delivering is only Dushyant. So I should have the art of delivering the same content and make it relatable to two different genres. Mm. So to me, I thought I have this uh, little skill blessed on me, and uh, why not use this for a larger purpose of. uh making people aware see you, using the word spreading hinduism uh using hinduism is something that i don't like we don't want to spread hinduism mm. we just want to kind of pe- make people aware of what hinduism is mm. so to create that awareness it's very very important even in this virtual world though we are at different locations we are still speaking so speaking becomes a necessary art so if i am one amongst thousand when i say 1000 1000 people who have learnt nyasadashakam sharanagati gadyam what all you said yeah. but i may be that one amongst those thousand who's able to take that content to the masses yeah. so I, i i thought i should make use of this opportunity to reach out to people uh, of course uh, uh, just a, just a trivia to this question that you've asked uh, generally people when they ask this question in any interview they may expect an event from me wherein they would expect like i was sleeping in the afternoon i had a dream where somebody came and touched me i woke up and the next day i became a speaker nothing of that sort <laughs> i personally uh, don't believe in the supernatural natural thrillers and uh, miracles i believe that it's only pure knowledge and devotion that can probably take us one step better uh-huh. so sure. miracles could have happened i i am not denying i'm not uh, ridiculing anybody but from my perspective it's a very simple journey of i found the skill people liked it so i want to hone it and use it for a better purpose so so can, can i jump in mukund yeah go ahead uh oh this is beautiful um dushyant sir can you please uh, tell us some about a little about your gurus and people who have influenced you in your life and who have helped you on the path so th- there are two uh, aspects to this krishna uh, one is what content we learn so for example i i i would want to i don't know whether people would like to call me that way but i would call myself a pauranika because uh, i delineate and ele- this, this is a new word for me can you repeat that again sorry to interrupt pauranika 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 for example you say itihasa is in general terms in history in indian uh, hindi language terms it's history but ah. um, uh, in sanskrit itihasa the exact translation is direct account mm-hmm. so oh. uh, in hindi if there is a historian they would call him an aitihasika so from Aiti. the word itihasa like how beauty becomes beautiful itihasa yeah. becomes aitihasika so a person who uses itihasas and puranas to delineate puranas becomes pauranika so uh-huh. uh, so um, uh, i would call myself a pauranika because most of my lectures kind of revolve around ramayana mahabharata bhagavatam vishnu purana and the other puranas so i generally don't give many lectures on vedas and vedantas because if i would give more on that i will become a vedanti since i deal with uh, upabrahmanams i am a pauranika so uh-huh. to be a pauranika people would generally ask oh you're telling so many things from ramayana mahabharata i didn't know of i didn't read this in amar chitrakatha where did you learn this <laughs> honestly no acharya would teach us uh, ramayana and mahabharata in my uh, 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 understanding so what we need to learn is the foundation which is vedam and vedantam so vedas vedantas bhagavad gita brahma sutram forms the foundation That's so in my understanding i have learned that 
Ramayana Mahabharatam is what I have read, heard of various people. I research and I delineate. Why the foundation is very important is the foundation is not established or not known. There are very heavy chances that I will speak of Ramayana in a certain fashion today. Maybe ten days later, I will be influenced by another person and I'll end up giving another philosophy out of Ramayana. So I should be very clear about the foundation. Like for example, I want to since you're a musician, Krishna. Uh, mm. Suppose I have to do Neraval. Iha paragati ni ne indira ramana. Iha paragati ni ne indira ramana. Iha paragati ni ne. So I should know that this is a Devarnama. I should know this is a Kalyani composition. So then I need to take the suitable line or a phrase from that particular composition to delineate. Since you've learned from Jesudas is what I understand. So he would do it very beautifully. In that the Charanam, Muthuswami Dikshita tells. So there is one beautiful phrase phrase which I don't remember uh, offhand where he delineates. So for doing all of this, shouldn't your ground of Sarali Varisai, Janda Varisai, Meltattu Varisai, uh, Alankaram, Geetam, Varnam, Swarajati be good. So to delineate on a ragam or to uh, use Grahabedam, I should know what these ragas are. Likewise, Vedam Vedantam becomes very important. So for that, I have learned Sri Bhashyam. Uh, I have been learning from uh, Villur, Nadadur, Shri Bhashya Simhasanam, Karunakara Achar Swami. Gita Bhashyam, I have learned uh, under, uh, uh, he has uh, attained the Paramapadam. Uh, Vaikunthavasi, Shri Vatsanga Achar Swami. He was the erstwhile principal of the uh, Mailapur Sanskrit, Midra Sanskrit College. So then I learned uh, Rahasya Trayasaram and Bhagavad Vishayam from two Acharyas. Nelvoy Sauminarayana Achar and Tevanar Valaham Saranath Achar. Then I learnt just two vadams of two aphorisms stated by Vedanta Deshika in his Ptolemic work called as Shatadushani from Navalpakam Ramanujatata Achar Swami. He is also a Vaikunthavasi. He is no more. Then I learnt Tirunadin Tandagam from the 45th Pontus of Ahobilamat. So this is my learning. Wow. Well, wow, that's uh, fantastic. Uh, recently, I, I also interviewed uh, Stephen Phillips, who I believe also learned from Raman Jatakachad uh, for... Uh, Stephen Phillips or uh, Francis Clooney? Uh, Stephen Phillips. I think, uh, did, did uh, Raman Jatakacharya do the... the, the oh, okay. The, on on uh, Nyaya. He wrote on Nyaya, too. Oh, okay, yes. okay, okay, so, okay. Yeah, okay. Stephen that's Phillips studied under him and wrote um, a big treatise on... Um, Again. If it's Nyaya, 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 we have two works of Vedanta Deshika, Nyaya Siddhanjanam and Nyaya Parishuddhi. Mm -hmm. And uh, besides this, if he has worked on Nyaya, there are many, many other uh, uh, stalwarts who have contributed to, to Nyaya system. There is Navya yeah. Nyaya as well. Yeah, this was a book on Navya Nyaya. I haven't seen it. Is it Nyaya Dhyumani or something? Uh, no, this is the one I have. This is, uh, it's Gangesha Satochitamani. Um, and oh, I, okay. Is this the same uh, um, uh, NS uh, Ramanuja Tata Acharya? Yeah. Okay. So Wonderful. He, exactly yeah. the same Acharya. I learned uh, two Vadams. Yeah. So, so it's it's hmm. a fantastic book by Gangesha, which is very interesting. But no, I mean, getting back to to, to to your background, I mean, it's 
So did you always have belief Namike, in the beginning or was it something that came with time and, and kind of spending time with the, the text and the scriptures or was it, was it easily flowing for you? See, the, uh, the process of believing mm. is, uh, was never uh, new to me or uh, was not a path that I had to take because uh, either I don't know because of the influence of the family or sure. it was inbuilt. So nobody told me this is God. So from the day I have known, I've been able to connect with somebody supreme. Sure. So uh, uh, there has never been a doubt. But there have been many doubts with regards to the system of how do we understand this portion of Ramayana, this portion of Mahabharata. Right. So the question of, um, uh, it's called uh, 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 the process of interpretation. So mm. how do I interpret this particular anecdote? How do I interpret this particular episode? So there have been doubts. There have been uh, many, many questions where I have bombarded my Acharyas with and they've been very patient and benevolent enough to answer me. So that process is still on. I still have many, many doubts. Can, can, but can, with you, the tell, question, can you tell us about some of them? Can you, can you tell us about maybe one doubt or two? Um, see, uh, uh, for example, um, uh, I agree uh, with the distribution or uh, the distribution of uh, uh, labor, which was done through an erstwhile system called the Varnashrama. So we have the Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, and Shudra Jati. Starting with the very controversial topic. <laughs> so there we have uh, the distribution. Yeah. Um, but uh, most of the Acharyas have agreed that all of them are equal in terms of their uh, status, hmm. being the material body, the Panchabhautika Shariram, or the Jivatma in the eyes of God. Yeah. So there's no doubt. But when it comes to practice, Probably, uh, I, I, I still don't, I'm not completely convinced of why uh, the Shudras were not allowed to learn the Vedas. See, uh, here, uh, Brahmanas were exceptional, uh, when I say exceptional, were different from the other three because Brahmanas could learn and impart Vedas. So he could learn Vedas under an Acharya. Mm. He was given the right to impart that's okay. So you're giving a certain community to practice a certain profession. That's okay. Because when you're speaking from the US, you say that most of the jobs should be reserved for the Americans first. So you do have a certain reservation system. But my point is, when it comes to learning, I feel there should be no discrimination. When it comes to imparting, maybe that becomes a profession. When it comes to learning, I thought I have always felt Shudras need not have been denied the uh, uh, the opportunity to learn. Nevertheless, there is a nuance here. Though they were not allowed to learn the Vedic statements, like how mm. we call it, Santai, they were allowed to listen to the quintessence of Vedas. See, mm. they may not, they, they cannot learn, for example, Ajayamano, Bahudha, Vijayate, that line they cannot learn. But if I'm going to explain the essence of the line, they can learn. So in most parts, I understand the explanation is much more important than the statement. But even the statement, I feel they should have been or they could have been given the uh, thing. So I'm not completely convinced. Otherwise, I feel it's more or less a very, very open and a very liberal system. When it comes to practice, there have been discriminations. There's no doubt. But in theory, it is not a very biased system except this part, which I feel um, could have been. So th there are many, many such questions which come to my mind. I ask my Acharyas. 
and uh, i hope I, and i but i am of the opinion that when i have a question i should not ha- expect an answer immediately you know some people at the gun point will ask uh, yeah. okay tell me the answer now no certain answers will come over a period of time and you will know it through your experience you don't have to wait for another person to give you that 3 minute answer which begins with a capital letter and ends with a full stop sure sure I, I, but i i think the point you brought up here which i which i find very interesting is because i think not only the way you're grappling with these issues i think the texts themselves grapple with it mahabharata has this sense where you have a uh, sometimes a strong varna varna ashrama system and a very strong other system where where people are saying a brahmana is not defined by their birth but by the knowledge chudra there is there is a clearly a tension playing out in in the text itself right because I, I, for me I, i feel like when i read through a lot of ramayana mahabharata and even a lot of the older uh, older texts we some of the puranas and and even it just it gets a sense of there's a tension between we believe the system but we also find there's issues because whether or not the origins were great at some point human beings always inevitably corrupted over time over age over a period of Kaliyuga Kali- Kali- yeah, I mean uh, we can say that too but you but we have to be very frank in, in in the dialogue that that we have to in many ways grapple with this issue because it's it's not like the Vedic time was always perfect there's some amazing beautiful things but it was also human beings involved right true uh, see while you made a reference to mahabharatam uh, there are two three episodes that could be highlighted for example in the yaksha prashnam yeah. uh, it comes in the last part of aranayaka parva in vana parva yeah. so yudhishthira answers uh, to 124 questions posed by the yaksha mm-hmm. the last few questions there is one interesting question where uh, yaksha asks how do you define a brahmana is it by birth is yeah. it by knowledge uh, yudhishthira gives a very interesting answer he says it is neither by birth nor by Uh, uh, a learning of the vedas yeah. nor by understanding the quintessence of it but mm-hmm. it is only the character of the person which determines him as a brahmana mm-hmm. uh-huh. now if this is where it stops probably we may find it a lot more logically tenable but he also says some say that even people who perform agnihotram are brahmanas yeah this is how he concludes so um the answer itself so if character alone determines a brahmana then there should be no corollary to that answer yeah but if he says that uh, even people who perform agnihotras are brahmanas then what about people who perform agnihotras but don't have a character so uh, uh, so so i find that answer good but it may lead to an iota of doubt in the listener or the researcher's mind so that's one incident second is sure. Uh, we have understood the compilation of the upanishads and the brahma sutras or the vedanta sutras from badarayana who's vedavyasa sure yeah vedavyasa was born of a brahmana called parashara mm-hmm. and a lady Sati. who grew up in the fisher men folk called as matagandhi matagandhi yeah. yeah so uh, again uh, would we call this varna sankaram because in uh, bhagavad gita krishna tells varna sankaram where is two uh, varnas come well, together uh, well can i just point out something i just want to point this out which i find mm. very interesting all the time is mm. arjuna arjuna complains about varna sankaram krishna never refers to it again he never talks about it arjuna is the one that says in in, in chapter 2 
you know, this is what's going to happen if the if the, 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 the women fall, the kingdom falls. But Krishna never addresses it, which to me, that silence, I think, is more telling than the fact he didn't address it. He, right. Uh, he doesn't speak about it, but he even doesn't admonish it. No, he doesn't. But, but, uh, but I, think, I think for him, from my perspective, is Krishna is saying, that's not even an important thing for me to talk about. Let's talk about the more important thing here, which is karma, jnana, bhakti. You know, for, mm. for him, you know, that's all societal things. Those change. That's just my interpretation. But again. Yeah, and the third incident, Mukunda, yeah. in Vanaparva, we come across a very interesting episode of, uh, this is narrated to Yudhishthira by Markandeya. If I remember it right, I don't, uh, I think Markandeya only narrates it. Yeah. So it's the, uh, it's the, it's the uh, uh, incident of Dharma Vyadha. <laughs> Dharma Vyadha was a butcher. This is to sell, yeah, Kaushika Rishi. So he gets to know from the woman and then goes to the land of Mithila. Mm -hmm. And there he was wondering where this person of immense knowledge is, wondering he would be a sage. And he in in turn finds him to be a butcher Uh who's selling the meat of a buffalo and pig because that's what the line says Varahaha and Mahishaha. So that's the mamsam that he sells. And uh, to this butcher, many rishis were on the waiting to understand the nuances of Dharma Shastra. So uh, Mahabharata comes with uh, two uh, uh, diametrically opposite episodes. So yes, so uh, the the Puranas give a lot of space for us to interpret, misinterpret, research, over-research, everything. Yeah, no, I just find it fascinating because for me, like, this is one of the most beautiful things about Vedic tradition and civilization is the ability for for them to uh, to deal with diametrically opposite positions and give space for both of those to exist and everything in between to exist right you know like even again Mahabharata the 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 story of Saulabha and Janaka right it's a beautiful like when when you know historically speaking you know uh, Shudras and women were not allowed to read Vedic scriptures or or hear Vedic scriptures or pronounce them but the story of Sulabha and uh, Janaka flips that story, right? It, it's a beautiful story of, of she's giving him knowledge about Atma Jnana. And it's, now I always find so much the Mahabharata, and this is why I think it's Vyasa's correct when he wrote it. Everything you find here, you'll find everywhere else. What you don't find here, you won't find nowhere else. And I think he's totally right because that text is the cornerstone of everything that is the source of, of Hindu or Vedic thought. Everything is preserved there beautifully. Um, and so for me, like, okay, like, uh, Mukunda, yeah. uh, yeah. you just made that uh, comment about um, what you find in Mahabharata. Can you come again with that, uh, the meaning of that verse? Yeah, it was uh, whatever is found here, you'll find elsewhere. But what is not found uh, here, whatever is found here, you will find elsewhere. Okay. But what is not found here, you'll find nowhere else. So this is the direct meaning of that verse. Yadi hasti tadanyatra yanne yeah. But interestingly, Velakudi Varadacharya, uh, uh, the illustrious father whose centenary is being celebrated, he's the father of Velakudi Krishnan Swami. Okay. <coughs> he used to state what, the meaning of the verses what is found in Mahabharata is found nowhere else. What is not found in Mahabharata can never be found anywhere else. Interesting. Because uh, uh, now uh, comes the question, how could you over-interpret the verse? 
to that uh, i remember another verse from ramayana because this is a very common verse uh, 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 what is it yadi yavat sthasyanti girayah saritascha uh, mahitale tavad ramayana katha lokeshu pracharishyati so yavat sthasyanti girayah till the rivers flow waters flow in the rivers and till the mountains exist yadi sthasyanti girayah ಸರಿತಶ್ಚಮಹೀತಲೇಕ್ಷಣಶಾಸ್ತ್ರಿಲ್ಲೇಕ್ಷಣ spoken of in this world only till then will rivers flow and mountains exist <laughs> only till then will rivers flow and mountains exist <laughs> yeah this is my first time joining on this podcast do you want to do a musical interlude if you want to play or if you want to hear yeah, something let me sing one line of hanuman chalisa ಭವಾನಿಂಗ್ಸ್ಟ್ರಾಂಡ್ಫಾದರ್ಸ್ಟು identify ragas just like this and he used to sing so my grandparents used to listen so uh, uh, in tamil we call it kelvi gnanam so mm-hmm. it's more with uh, shravanam yeah yeah uh, uh, kita we can end with that but i, I want to ask a few more questions because let's continue yeah yeah uh, so uh, so this should, I, i think this is really interesting um so with getting back to you learned all these things from your acharyas and then you decided to do uh, upanyasa Now in this process of doing upanyasas did you ever face any hurdles from modern india right because india is also going through a a bit of a churn in terms of figure out its identity for uh, modern world versus its history did you face any hurdles getting through with like your friends or colleagues or whatever that was see uh, with respect to two three factors i i wouldn't say hurdles yes there were some uh, uh, kind of problems one uh with respect to my style of delivery mm-hmm. so uh, while i speak on the stage as well i am i am i am starkingly no different because uh, people are used to the styles of uh, the very very famous whom i adore and respect uh, sengalipuram anantrama dikshitar mm-hmm. brahmashri sundar kumar mukkur lakshmi narsimha acharyar sure. uh, balakrishna shastrigal and mbar vijayaragava acharyar my acharya karunakar acharyar velukudi krishnan pullavar uh, kiran so they were all like stalwarts in their field and they had developed a certain pani for example um, that bani would be like himani hantavyam himagiri nivasai gajaduro nishayam nidranam apdinu indadathla ambal solralam adha kedda bagapadal so that is the style they were used to and uh, you would have 
டிஸ்கோர்ஸ் because i was used to it so if if there would be a a, a mukur lakshmi narasimhacharya the first thing that would come to my mind is dumbledore <laughs> so uh, i i i i used to wait outside the libraries uh, to get my first copy of harry potter yeah. so i grew up with harry potter and animorphs and so many uh, 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 so so what happens is well i relate use such words like dumbledore like once in a way or while yeah. now what happens is uh, uh, the population between 20 and 40 can relate to it mm. but beyond 40 they understood why should he talk about uh, some person dumbledore and all of that <laughs> so you know it, it took people to uh, uh, kind of accept me yeah. that's tight so i was very different from most of the other people not that i wanted to be different because that was my style i didn't have my father or grandfather style whom i could look up to right right and i have come to this arena as a public speaker see i have spoken from my school days of whether science is a boon or a bane there is more red on the wall turn codes jam and all these competitions so i have attended the mock parliament uh, mock united nations so i come with that kind of a background uh-huh. so it took people for uh, uh, me uh, for, for them to accept uh, my style and they thought if we give him time he will change but it, it happened topsy turvy now they have changed and adapted to my style which is which is so, that, that's that's so amazing i mean i mean yeah. first of all it, it, it i your opinions are fantastic but if you ever want to be an impression artist you can do that too i think you have great skills in, in doing exactly what all the previous uh, uh opinions did but um it, but the fact is it's that you're able to hone in on on this age of 18 to like you know 40 you know because so much of and and this is not just in india but even in america and globally it's really interesting because i find it like even when i talk to other people within my own community right like if i meet either other like indians or south indians and i talk to them about like anything ramana jacharya madhvacharya anything no one knows anything right no one not a single person knows any of this stuff so you're able to find a way to touch so many people to get them into this tradition what what is it that 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 connects you to that like the connection be able to connect and aside from your ability to call about harry potter what else is is it gives you that connection maybe i uh, during my uh, 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 course of delivering an upanyasam see generally i am not very for this one day upanyasams mm. uh, generally people would say now sir there's one hour talk about ramanum kannanum i do that but i'm not a general big fan of that see i like the traditional style of 48 day series of mahabharatam 9 day series of ramayanam yeah. and uh, see that's how i am used to because i need to establish that rapport with my audience through my eyes and body gestures mm. and they will also have to establish uh, get the story established in their minds so it takes time so it doesn't happen like a miracle mm. so uh, to my understanding i like such series 
and during such series as i uh, go into uh, it's like a mesh when mm. if you see upanyasam it's not a simple thing like rama went with sita see i used to be fascinated by the storytellers while i used to be in pilani rajasthan so i used to go out and in the village there used to be a local person who used to give rama and sita uh, maya ne ram ji se shaadi kiya dono ban gaye ban gane ke baad hanuman ji aaye so i used to find of course he's trying to reach out to a masses and he's telling who married whom that's okay that's just a simple uh, biography uh, probably even ravan uh, movie of maniratnam will fit into this uh, storyline <laughs> but i need to know more i need to understand how bharata's devotion to rama is different from lakshmana's devotion that is paratantriyam this is seshatvam this is bhagavata seshatvam i need to get to the nuances i have to dissect uh, uh, every story and understand why this and why not so in that kind of a research mode i find while i deliver lectures i ask questions see for example i ask uh, uh, very clearly bhishma acharya even before being called bhishma in mahabharata and adi parva he is called devavrata so devavrata tells uh, uh, the uh, uh, tells satyavati's father adhyame from today onwards i will be a brahmachari so there there is see if i were a, a non smoker i'll never say from today i will not smoke because i've never been smoking but if he yeah. says from today i will be a brahmachari there's something there and while he passes away uh, krishna tells he needs the funeral rites of bhishma has to be performed with the agni of his agnihotra so uh, ramanujacharya following the steps of kumarila bhatta clearly remarks that bhishma was a grihastha and not a brahmachari Hmm. So while I raise such questions, the audience is first of all startled because they have seen Mukesh Karna as a brahmachari. Yeah, yeah. See, we are so fascinated by N. T. Ramarao and uh, Shivaji in Karnan hmm. that we can't take any other version beyond that. We believe Vyasa is also secondary to A. P. K. P. Nagarajan. So that's, that's right. our understanding. So if I tell Mahabharata and I say that Karna is not that great a figure, what we project him He's to be? He's not at all. so uh, immediately people say he was generous see most kings even my grandfather was generous so uh, so generosity is not is one attribute so to call yourself a human being you should have something what the animals don't have right yeah, so yeah. generosity is one so making a hero out of kana he might have been a good warrior but there are many many flaws and blemishes in oh, him yeah. so uh, when i point this out the audience has started but the beauty is the audience stays back to see because this speaker is different from others he's going to tell us something different let me stay yeah so this quest for knowing something what's not known and the process of unlearning what is learned wrongly uh-huh. is what uh, forces a lot of audience to uh, sit back and listen okay you yeah, that's beautiful that's that was beautiful. amazing that's that's yeah, beautiful so hey krishna that's going question um mm. because of the influence of you know film on the 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 um, the popular cultures idea of people like karna for shivaji ganesh you know you know like an nt ramara and all that um tirvadiyar all these movies you know i've seen a maya bazaar i've seen these movies too a question i have for you thinking about your your future is have you ever considered like trying to make a proper film that that's that's faithful to the text and faithful like do you think that maybe you can make an impact like you know you're doing upanyasam right now like do you think you can have an even larger impact 
by making a, a proper film. Like, I know you're, you're acting as well, too, but like a proper Mahabharata film that like rectifies these type of misconceptions. And I don't know, if this, is this in your cards? So uh, uh, last year, uh, um, along with my very good friend, uh, Katie Srinivas, we have uh, registered a firm called as Deshikadaya Productions LLP. Mm-hmm. And uh, through that, we wanted to create uh, a visual uh, impact of our scriptures. So the first script that I wrote was Abhigyana Shakuntalam. So based on Kalidasa's work, I uh, drafted the entire story kind of See, all the dialogues that he has posed in a work like that may not be projectable on screen. So I had to make it uh, cinema uh, viewable or acceptable. Mm. So I devised a script and then uh, we had uh, a team working on it. Everything was done. So in the month of February, we were planning for the shooting dates and we had two, three investors who were ready to invest. But then the great Corona Charya came in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, so it, it, it's, it, it, it's still on my card. So everything is ready. The screenplay is ready. The dialogues are ready. The subtitles are ready. The casting is ready. We have a company. So um, maybe next year uh, when things get to normalcy, because uh, we had a lot of uh, uh, architecture-based uh, real locations for shooting. We didn't want to create sets. So if all that has to happen, I think there should be some kind of a normalcy in terms of uh, the environment around and people should have the confidence to come out. So then only we can carry out a movie making. So this is my baby step because uh, see, Abhijnana Shakuntalam is more to do with rasa, sentiment. Mm -hmm. So the the role of animation doesn't come much there. It's about to the man and the woman who were in love were separated, come together. So it's easy for us to make, whereas when we go to a, uh, to a topic like Mahabharata or Ramayana, it will involve a lot of animation. And every second animation costs in hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Second. So, uh, so to make such kind of big budget movies, probably I, I may not be adept enough because the team will not be so big. So probably going forward, um, we need to have large producers approach me to be the consultant. Uh, I was approached from the Telugu industry in 2017 for a Ramayana series, but then it got halted uh, at one point in time. So I could be a consultant to uh, 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 rather than taking up the onus of making a movie because that's a big, big task. Sure. And you need to be uh, uh, extremely abusive to work on sets um, uh, to get work done. So uh, I'm, I may not fit the pack. So, I mean, I want to I'll, I'll loop back. Yeah, I want to loop back to, to your acting later, with especially with uh, the Deshika's uh, movie. But can we uh, get into a little bit more about, let's talk about Sri Vaishnavism and, and Vishishtadvaita, you know, at its core. I mean, some of our viewers might know about it, but can you tell us what exactly is Vishishtadvaita and then how did it come about? And, and, and what's the importance that it has to maybe the Indian soil? <coughs> And, and also how it different, d- differentiates itself from Ali Shankara in general, uh, or Madhulacharya and all that. Like, I'd be curious about that. Well, we'll get into that because that's, that's very icky, but let's just start with its, uh, its, <laughs> its, its origins, yeah. So in general, uh, a philosophy, uh, well, I, I can't speak of the uh, philosophies of the world religions because mm-hmm. I'm not adept at it. But when it comes to Sanatana Dharma, which has the Veda, Vedanta, Bhagavad Gita and Brahma Sutras as the base, mm-hmm. 
a philosophy is formulated and the, the tenets and aphorisms are postulated by a, a, a person who researches on it. So at the end of it, when a philosophy comes into picture, a philosophy's aim, generally a philosophy's aim is to create better harmony in the society. That's, that's why a philosophy comes into picture. Because uh, in Pratyaksha Pramanam, Pratyaksham is what we perceive either through our external senses, which is a, a panchagnanendriyam, what we perceive around are only differences. Because I know I, I won't have uh, donuts because I, I, I am not very for donuts, but I would like to have vadas. So even if they are of the same shape, I know I like this, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I like the Sriviliputur Palkova compared to an Avin Palkova because that one is fairer, white. Whereas this one is dark. So I like uh, this uh, grandmother more than the other grandmother because see world is full of differences. Just see around you will only see differences. So I will sit on this chair. I will use only that pillow. I don't like this pillow. So even amongst the same, uh, the object of the same community, Sajatiyam, or even of different communities, Vijatiyam, we see differences. So philosophy's aim is to Try reducing these differences in the in the level mind level, and to bring some harmony. That's why a philosophy is born. So when we deal with Visishta Dvaita as a school of philosophy, it is it is it is very clear that this should not be called Visishta Dvaita because Ramanuja did not call it yeah, Visishta yeah. Dvaita. He called he 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 just tried to present a philosophical system, which also said it is Advaita. So mm-hmm. this is also Advaita. But to differentiate this Advaita, what he has presented from the Advaita prese- uh, presented by his erstwhile predecessor, who is Adi Shankara, there had to be a differentiating factor. So that USP is the Visishta, which is qualified. So this word generally is believed to have come in Shruta Prakashika, which is the uh, celebrated commentary of uh, Sri Bhashyam. And later in Bhava Prakashika, which is the uh, uh, sub-commentary of Shruta Prakashika by Rangaramanuja Muni. So, Bisishta Dvaita, now we call it, that's okay. It's like calling Sanatana Dharma Hinduism. So, yeah. this is also Advaita. But it's qualified. What is it qualified with is one question. Now, when we have to understand uh, our body, I'm just presenting Bisishta Dvaita in a nutshell very quickly, yeah. uh, Mukunda. So, for your viewers, for example... Uh, in Sanatana Dharma, we have two uh, clear entities. One is the body and second is the Atma. So when I speak of the Atma that is uh, indestructible, it doesn't feel the thirst, it cannot be destroyed. Uh, it, is, uh, it, it is a personification of Dharmi Jnanam. It, has the, uh, it, it acts as a substratum for Dharma Bhuta Jnanam, which is attributive knowledge. These are all qualities of the Jivatma. Now, this Jivatma, which is indestructible, which is eternal, avikaraya, shuddhaya, nityaya, houses in the body, which is perishable, destroyable, and attains various vikarams. So, there are two, two entities with differing characteristics coming together. That is our body and atma relationship, sharira-atma relationship. But the beauty is, this shariram, though it may seem, seem quite large, and understandable in our terms because I don't see the Atma of the other person. I see only his body. So what is seeable is only the body. It's a big one. But the beauty is the big Jiva, uh, big body is completely under the control of the Jivatma. If the Jivatma based on its karma cycle 
agrees to depart from the body or is asked to depart from the body, the body becomes a dead body and you will find them piled up in crematoriums or graveyards, as simple as that. So the body, though it seems seeable, big and actable, it completely is under the control of the Jivatma. Likewise, the entire universe that comes... So let's assume the entire universe is the body. Like how I've spoken of my body, the entire universe is the body. The simplest example, though it may not be exact, is we relate the entire universe to the body of the Lord. We say, Bhupadav, Yasya Nabhihi, Vyadasura Nilas, Chandrasuryaucha Netre, Karna Vashaha, Shirodhyauhu. So we treat the sun and the moon as his eyes, the directions as his ears. So when why I told you this is not an exact example is we need to understand this example is only an allegorical example. Mm. Now we should not say, okay, Chandra is smaller, moon is smaller, the sun is bigger, like <laughs> So that's not our point. So it's to say that the entire universe is his body, like how my body acts upon the directions given by the Jivatma, the entire universe that comprises of animate and inanimate Chetana, Chetana Vastu will act upon its Atma called Paramatma. Yeah. So it's a body and an Atma relationship what Ramanuja wanted to establish. Thereby he wanted to say, to understand this relationship, you don't have to negate anything. So, uh, for example, Adi Shankara very beautifully in Advaita says that, yes, I too agree with the concept of Paramatma, but everything beyond that, what you perceive and see is actually appearing as though it is there. So this as though is Maya. So he brings in the concept of Chida Chid Vilakshanam. So he says it is different from Chetana Chetana and makes Vastus appear as though they are there. But Ramanuja says, don't, we don't have to confuse our audience with the concept of Maya, though it may seem very interesting on, in theory to make a person believe. I don't know if you've seen the Matrix trilogy. Yeah, so course. there the boy, say, the boy shows a, 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 a Karandi and he says, is this straight? The person says straight. Do you think it's bent? When he, the person thinks bent, then it starts bending. See, that's not the way things operate. So uh, Ramanuja thought, let me present a simple body-atma relationship thereby. By this philosophy, Ramanuja says, the Jeevatma in uh, Obama, the Jeevatma in Trump, the Jeevatma in Mukunda, the Jeevatma in Modi, the Jeevatma in you, the Jeevatma in Krishna, they are all the same. The bodies of Trump, the bodies of Obama, the body of uh, uh, Mukunda, of Krishna, of Dushyant could differ. But still, they all form a part of the larger circuit of Brahman's body. So, though we may be at different places, being born into different races, religions, nationalities and beliefs, at one point in time, all of us are linked to that Supreme Person. So, there is no disparity, is what mm -hmm. Mr. Shadrita says. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And how is that different from Shankaracharya? So... Adi Shankara also wants to bring harmony through his philosophy. There's no doubt he is he is one of the uh, uh, one of the foremost acharyas whom we adore and respect for having restored Sanatana Dharma. But from Advaita perspective, he says um, Brahma Satyam. So Brahman is the only truth. He doesn't say Brahman is truth. He says that is the only truth. The moment he says that is the only truth, then the contrary question is, okay, I see a, a beautiful cabinet next to me. I see a beautiful book table next to me. I see my friend next to me. Yes, they are also there. 
but they are there in your eyes only as long as you believe they are there if you believe they are not there they will start appearing as though they are not there and this will lead you to a state where you start feeling that these are all creations of your illusion maya and the only truth is brahman so he says that we are living in an illusionary world and the only reality is brahman and realizing brahman is the only way he says or in other words he says it may appear that jivatma and paramatma are different at one level but they are one and the same so that's the other way he postulates so there are many many differences see if you have to talk about differences there are plenty and yeah. there is a work called advai shatadushani by vedanta deshika where he points out 100 flaws in advaita yeah. and uh, in the 19th 20th century we had a retort to it by anantakrishna shastri who said there are these 100 uh, flaws that you have found in advaita are nothing but 100 ornaments for us so he called it shatabhushani <laughs> and to that as a, a reply uh, my pracharya uttamur veeraraghavacharya gave another work called as paramartha bhushanam so uh, scholars have been debating like advaita siddhi khandana khandakadyam then there is a chandamarutam shatadushani oh they have been talking at various levels i don't know whether it may be applicable to masses like us so no, no, at no. one point so this is the one of them that encapsulates a lot of the arguments back and forth uh-huh. between avishesh uh, advaita and advaita no no look and i'm going to read the, every every text that you tell us we're going to read these books so so uh, I, i not the audience no, by I, the I, way mukunda just a, a, a trivia again so yeah. you have the mahabharata series by emendat yeah yeah okay and uh, in the same uh, uh, row the last book is a, a purple color book uh, is it a ramakrishna mission book uh, no the last one is a history of sanskrit literature Oh okay so i have these uh, mn that's uh, books as well so oh yeah 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 aha yeah. uh-huh. very good no it, it's oh. very, it's it's very helpful for me because if i if i don't know a certain sanskrit word it's there and i can go refer otherwise like you know the mahabharata parts of it are very easy to read in sanskrit parts are very difficult so you have to navigate it no but uh the point that you know you may hear i think is very beautiful because uh, one of the big things about ramanuja's philosophy you know When I was younger I went through phases where you go through you know being first you believe then you're like agnostic atheist and you go get back into the text and you start reading and then one of the things I about, loved about uh Ramanujacharya's philosophy um and idea overall idea is just first of all it's seeped with devotion it's it's dripping with it even in in his 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 philosophical arguments are so much devotion to this greater entity that he experiences constantly it's 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 beautiful but like the point you made about he doesn't negate anything there's i guess he uses one i forget what upanishad it is you get nityasya nityam and satyasya satyam you know i forget what upanishad comes from where he quotes it saying it is the all things are true but it's the truth of the truth it's the reality of the reality the eternal of the internals meaning all these things are there they're real they're, they exist but the basis of that is brahman It was it was a beautiful way to connect everything we experience everything we are without negating anything and and I loved the the positiveness of Ramanuja's uh you know philosophy which which I thought in Shankara's perspective is it's called vivartavada right it's the appearance of it the things are there only in appearance they don't really exist you know it, i mean a lot of it stems from the madhyamika tradition from padmatmika and vyavahar where he separates the two and, and Shankara does the same thing 
But I think Ramanuja's impact on that was, it changed the, it changed the face of India, right? I mean, people love to talk about Shankara, and Shankara did change the face of Sanatana Dharma in India. But Ramanuja had such a similar impact. Like, for me, my understanding is the entire Bhakti movement that we see across all over India stems from Ramanuja. Ramanandis that followed him. Am I correct in that? Yeah, uh, I, I do uh, kind of attribute that to Ramanuja, but uh, even before, yes, uh, the Arvars of yes. the, see, um, okay, so the, here again, uh, I face a hurdle with my audience because I would want to carefully uh, accept certain uh, uh, portions of history. Hmm. So while we go to Guru Parampara Saram, it talks about the Mudal Arvar, 3000 BC. But in my uh, understanding, I would keep them, in my understanding, whatever le- little research I've done, I would keep them between the 5th and the 7th and the 8th centuries. Oh, yeah. uh, because uh, we have very clear reference to Kot Chenganan by Trimangay Arvar and Nachiar Kovil, who was a Chola king. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he has uh, spoken about Nachiar Kovil, it will be around that period. And uh, Trimangay Arvar also talks about Parameshwara Vindagaram, which is Vaikuntha Pirmar Kovil in Kanchipuram, where he refers to Mamalla. Yeah. So that was considered constructed by Nandivarman the two who came from the brothers dynasty of Simha Vishnu. Mm. So all this comes in the 6th and 7th centuries and then he's said to have had a tiff with the Jnana Sammandar from Vaigai uh, play, river civilization plates we understand it's 6th and 7th century. So uh, so Arvars were kind of the forerunners of the Bhakti movement. Of course it was later followed, picked up by Ramanuja very beautifully um, and later uh, Ramanuja's uh, uh, handling of the Arvar Pasurams and his explanations to the Arvar Pasurams were so influential that uh, it spread beyond certain boundaries. For example, if a, a Vedanta Deshika or a Manavala Mamanigal follows Ramanuja, nothing surprising. Mm. But you will know, you'll be surprised, Kanakadasa of the Dasa Paddhati in uh, the Western Ghats. See, Western Ghats was a big barrier, tall mountains. Mm. On the other side in Udupi, you have Kanakadasa in his first work called as Mohana Tarangini. He tells, Satvikolasa Ramanuja Muni Sharanu. I surrender to Ramanuja. While he had a Madhvacharya to lean upon, he surrenders to Ramanuja. <laughs> and uh, we have uh, Swami Narayan uh, Sampradayam, uh, Swami Sahajanand in the 16th century who tells in his Siksha Patri uh, in the Sanskrit work to his uh, BAPS followers mm-hmm. that if you have to learn Brahma Sutras and Bhagavad Gita, read only Ramanuja's commentary. That's his mm-hmm. verse. Yeah. And uh, you have Annamacharya who beautifully followed Ramanuja from the Telugu uh, Sampradayan. And uh, 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 so Ramanuja's influence um, was very, very astounding. And especially people liked how he respected the Varnashrama Dharma, yet accommodated every Varna into the Bhakti movement. By not excluding or ridiculing any Varna, he tried to involve everybody. So it's very easy to dismantle a system. But he was there to to revisit the system. That's the beauty of Ramanuja. Mm-hmm. So so let me, um, let me ask you this one. Um, so there was also... Uh, a theory, and I actually probably believe it that that Ramanuja um, brought in the untouchables and shudras into temples and into into the movement by kind of like the story of the Gopuram, right, where he stands on top of the Gopuram saying Om Namo Narayanai to to give everyone you know salvation. Is that something that is accepted, or is that a story that is not? 
that part of him standing on the Ashtanga Vimanam. See, uh, in a temple, you have uh, two aspects. Mm -hmm. In the Dravidian architecture, you have the entry to a temple, which is a Gopuram. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, it uh, kind of represents the cow's head as well, because it has those two hooks at the top, Gopuram. Yeah. Now, at the, uh, above the Sanctum Sanctorum, you have the Vimanam. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was an intermediate style of constructing a multi-tiered Vimanam. So that's called the Ashtanga Vimanam. Mm -hmm. So you have the first Ashtanga Vimanam built by the Pallavas in the Vaikuntha Pirumal temple in Uttiramerur. Then you have it in Kudalalagar temple and then uh, Trikoshtiur Swaminarayana temple. So it is said that Ramanuja wanted to bring in the larger society into the Bhakti movement. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. But Guru Parampara Prabhavam doesn't state that he went atop the Vimanam and shouted the Ashtakshara Mantra. That's mm. not uh, told. Because Ramanuja wanted to bring everybody into the fold. He did not want to go against the caste system and he did not want to go against the tenets of the scriptures. Because the scriptures are very clear when it states that Pranavam, which is Omkaram, should not be, the word I used is Omkaram, I should have not used, it's only Pranavam. Yeah. I should not tell what it is. It's like, it's a sacrosanct thing. So mm. it should be uh, recited or meditated upon by the practitioner only in his mind. There should mm. not be even a moment. So when there are, when there is very clear indication of this, Guru Parampara Prabhavam doesn't mention Ramanuja going atop the Ashtanga Vimanam. But what he would have done, if at all he would have gone in the Ashtanga Vimanam, is he would have, he, he had a huge personality to set. Vedanta Deshika says, Upavitina Udhapundravantam, Trijagat Punya Palam, Tridandahastam, Sharanagata, Sarthava Hamide, Shikaya, Shekharinam, Patim, Yatinam. Look at the king of ascetics who walks with such a stature, holding the Tridandam with a tuft on his back. The way he describes Ramanuja, I feel he'll be like one of those um, athletes, uh, the gym bodied man. He was such a. <laughs> imposing figure, a towering personality. So if he had risen to the Ashtanga Vimanam, he would have said, see people of all, all of you living in this Agraharam come closer. So the Brahmanas, the Kshatriyas, the Shudras, the Vaishyas, everybody would have come. Because when you see a sannyasi talking, you want to respect him. He would have mm -hmm. said, see, there is a path for you to never be born in this world again. Do you, all of you agree that we are in misery in this world, everybody would have said yes, because today we have Corona in those days, there would have been different other uh, diseases, cholera, typhoid, all this would have been there. Mm. So there would have been economical problems, so many problems. So people would have said, yes, Sami, we don't want to be born on this earth. Then Ramanuja would have said, see, all of you are entitled to walk the path to moksham. Come individually to me when I go back to my matam, I will give you an upadesham of what is the root. Right. He would have done that based on that. So he would have not gone at the top and held a mic and shouted. Yeah, yeah. So see, uh, see, this interpretation comes from those people who believe that to showcase Ramanuja as a social reformer, you will have to attribute things uh, which you believe is right. But that's wrong. See, if you uh, if you look at Sri Bhashyam, Gita Bhashyam, Rahasya uh, uh, Vedanta Deepam Saram, he was a complete adherent to the Vedic system. At the same time, from the understanding of the Alvar Snalaya Divya Prabandham, he wanted to be very benevolent towards all castes. So he wanted to accommodate everybody into this Vedic system. There is no doubt. But so if you don't mind, I want to see if I can push back just a little bit here and get your response. So it, it, there's, there is a twofold. I recently was reading some works on Ramanuja, and one of the things that became very apparent to me is when he's writing for a Vedic audience, he takes a very Vedic perspective. And you look at, for example, and I'm not saying he wasn't Vedic. I'm not saying that at all. 
What I'm saying is when you're writing Shri, uh, like uh, Sri Basha or Gita Basha or, you know, um, you know uh, all these, these, these tomes, these amazing works, you're writing to a very particular audience whose authenticity you have to prove that you are following what they follow in some sense to, to be accepted. But at the same time, like you said, he has the, the Divya Prabhupada, which are, which are opening the doors to everyone and to, to anyone and everyone saying, come in, come in, come all. This is this Vishnu, this, this, this divine being is for everybody, right? You know, every, every caste, every community is coming and singing these songs. And then in Ramaraja's life, we have stories of him, like uh, you know, um, his teacher is a Gushti Purna. Yeah. Um, who is, yeah. Uh, who is I, I don't know what caste, I think he was a, a Shudra. No. Who learned. No, no. The Goshti Purna, Strikoshti Udambi. See, Periye, yeah. uh, Shri Shaila Purna, uh, Mahapurna, uh, uh, Goshti Purna, um, then uh, Tirmalayandan, and uh, uh, so they were all Brahmins. Yeah. The one who came from a non-Brahmin caste, who was one of his very good guides and acharyas, was Tirkachinambi, who yeah, was Kanchi Purna. Kanchi yeah. Purna. Kanchi Purna. Uh, that's my fault. So you have you have that his his respect and the way he treats him. And then you also have Danurdasa, right? When at the later part, when he's older and he's and he's going to the river to bathe, and he comes back on leaning on Danurdasa. I mean, you have these stories that kind of somewhat conflict with what, at, at least at a superficial level, of what we presume is his adherence to Varnashramam. I'm not saying he didn't, but I, I have a sense from these these con, uh, conflicting evidences that maybe he was much more playing lip service in some sense here to get to the other goal, which is opening the door for everyone. So I don't know what your response to that is. So, see, uh, uh, we need to understand that when Krishna tells Chatur Varnyam Maya Srishtam, or when we read Purusha Suktam verse, which has been housed in Rigveda, sure. both uh, Shukla and Krishna Yajurveda, Samaveda and Atharbana Veda, Brahmanosya Mukhamasi, Bahu Rajanya Kritaha, Uruta Dasya Padhagum Shudro Ajayata. So to this But it falls verse, up, by the way, with Chandrama Manaso Jataha, right? It's also talking about the nature of not only exactly yeah exactly so so when you deal with this particular verse except in samaveda if i remember uh, because purusha sukta is housed in all the four vedas mm-hmm. but this verse is housed in the three vedas except samaveda if i remember now the commentators like uh, 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 Sayanacharya, Mahidharacharya, Uvatacharya, Bhattabhaskara, Rangaramanujamuni, when they comment on this particular verse, nowhere do they say that this jati, Brahmana jati is the best and this is the worst. No. Now, text from the text, we don't, we cannot, or we cannot overinterpret, misinterpret, or uh, uh, attribute something that we want to believe that this yeah. is good and that is bad. But in the society there has been a very clear demarcation of respecting the three communities and to some extent in various pockets, Shudras have been ridiculed in the past. The best example is <coughs> Tirupanarvar. Hmm. So Tirupanarvar was not even let into the temple. Yeah. And uh, in the Shaivism perspective, we have uh, uh, Tirupungur, Nandanarcharitram. So there have been instances. Now what Ramanuja wanted to do is See, if you exclude one pocket of your human society, the entire society can never prosper. You should take everybody along. But by taking everybody along, he did not disregard the caste system. He said, see, on theory, the the theory is good. Brahmana does Vedadhyanam. Kshatriya protects the country. And uh, the Vaishyas bring money for the sustenance of the country. And Shudras do the services. Nothing wrong. Now, 
when it comes to practice, he thought that when God is equal to all, why should we exclude one community? So, in fact, he was influenced by the Arvars because in the Nalaya Divya Prabandham, of the Arvars who have given us, Nammarvar and Tirumangai Arvar account for over 55% of the 4,000 Pasurams and both of them were Shudras. Yep. And Nammarvar who has given us Tiruvirutham, Tiruvasiriyam, Periyatiruvandadi and Tiruvayamuri is equivalent to Rig Yejuhu Sama Atharvanam. Mm-hmm. And the six prabandhams of uh, Tirumangai Arvar, Periya Tirumuri, Shiriya Tirumadal, Periya Tirumadal, Tirunadam Tandagam, and Tiruvayakuchirikai is the six Vedangas. So the four Vedas and the six Vedangas which are equivalent in the four prabandhams and the six prabandhams of Nammarvar and Tirumangai Arvar were born into Shudra caste. So Ramanuja believes that when it comes to knowledge exchange, exchange of knowledge and appreciating one's devotion there is no caste barrier. Probably when it comes to the daily Nitya Karma, Anushthanam, mm-hmm. learning and uh, marriages, he said, let us follow the Varnashrama Dharma. That, in fact, uh, uh, Vedanta Deshika um, uh, for, uh, says that, he reiterates that in Rahasyatrayasaram, where he tells, Jnanam koduttu Jnanatai parimatri kollalam. So you can exchange Jnanam. Pen koduttu pen vanga vendam, is what he says. Sure. So exchange ideas. So uh, their their openness was with respect to exchange of knowledge and ideas and to retain the societies because what happens is there are intricacies associated with it. There is a difference in the f- food cuisine associated in each Varna because a Brahmana may not be entitled to even consume garlic, onion, turnip, radish, um, uh, the bottle guard, the ridge guard, all of this because because for his Veda Dhyanam, he doesn't require anything more than that. Whereas for a Shudra, he's entitled to have non-vegetarian food. So now when you're going to come together as a family, you may have repercussions. But when it comes to knowledge, you can exchange ideas because it is still at a verbal level, is what Ramanuja thought. Sure. I mean, I, and that, that, that to me is kind of what I, I think, but I don't know if that's entirely what I would have to agree because I also see some a lot of differences even at that time within the societies at large, right? If you look at uh, a lot of the, the evidence from, you know, land records or, or, or records of kings, you see, you see, so I, I think one of the issues, obviously, when we say caste, we, we're buying into the Western concept of what caste is, which is not Varna, it's not Jati, it's this new construct after the British, right? So, so Varna is obviously, you know, different from Jati. Varna is just the fourfold division of Brahmana, Vaishya, Right. The jati is where we get a lot more of these rules of who marries who and who interacts with who and what community which. Right. But again, uh, uh, I can even quote from uh, Purusha Sukta Bhashyam. When they, uh, uh, when they explain this verse of Brahmana, yeah. uh, I, I will just explain, I will read out that particular line because what he says is, just a, just a second. Sure, sure, sure. Now, if you, uh, I am just reading out from the commentary, it says, Brahm, uh, Asya Chaturmukhasya Brahmana, Brahmana Varanaha. So that's the meaning. So Brahmana indicates Brahmana Varanaha. Uh-huh. And then he continues, Vaishya Varanaha Uditaha. Shudraha, Shudra Varanaha. So this is the Padapadakyam, uh, um, uh, Padapadartham, that is for every uh, word uh, he gives. Now, the same commentary, Sayanacharya comments, Yaha, I am Brahmana Jati Visishtaha Purushaha Soyam. So for the same word, they use the word Jati and Varna interchangeably. 
So, mm. uh, uh, so they are not different. So then, how does that apply today? You know, we have we see across the board. You know, um, communities. Uh, you know, whether you're uh, Brahmana, Shatya Vaishya, whatever, they're now being priests. They're following, learning Vedic rites. They're you know they're um, you know from any community, right? There, there's in Kerala. I think they're doing some Dalits are lear- learning to become priests. That's happening all across of India, and you know. I mean, I, partially, I think that's partially what tradition has to deal with. How does, uh, how do the Acharyas that wrote in 10th, 5th, 7th, or 12th centuries, how, how do their teachings apply today? Does, does time change based on Kala, Desha, Titi, or are those immutable things that must remain the same forever? Uh, see, I, I am neither for or against it, but... Uh more than what I feel and you feel and what the scriptures feel, a lot of this uh, is also uh, politically driven and motivated. I, I agree. I agree. So, uh, uh, so uh, having an opinion of yours or mine wouldn't matter there. So hmm. suppose I have a thought opinion. I have never been asked an opinion about this. And even if I were asked, I'm sure that they wouldn't even matter uh, uh, mind listening to my opinion. Hmm. So uh, at an intellectual level, we are discussing a Varna and a Jati and the Nashrama. Mm, but when yeah. it comes to practicality, I think things have changed and uh, people are ready to accept the change. So we shouldn't have a problem as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, that's fine. I mean, I mean, for me, it's just, it, it's really about trying to understand, you know, part of the reason I ask these questions of you is, and I ask of, of a few other people that come on the podcast too, to talk about this, because I think one of the big issues, like you said, politically is there is this real assumption that what exists today as opposed to what caste is today has been that way for thousands of years when that isn't true the problem of caste today is the problem created mostly by the british in that period of time we had other caste issues back in the or, or javarna jati issues before then but this wasn't the issue that we have today it wasn't the issue of these ossified structures because we know people change communities pretty frequently back in the day we have Text about that, how how people from Shudras become Kshatriyas or whatever it is. We have that, but it's just this understanding that our system is dynamic in many ways. Even though certain traditions within the system might be more fixed, like even Ramanuja's system, even though it was fixed, it was dynamic. In many ways, he maybe he bought into Varnashrama, but he also bought into the concept that everyone, moksha is for everyone. Where someone like Shankara didn't even allow moksha for anyone because women in Shudras couldn't hear, and the only way one could get knowledge was by Vedantas, right? So we have this huge monumental shift from Shankara to Ramanuja about who even is able to get moksha. I mean, isn't that, would, would that be true? Yeah. So Ramanuja's uh, uh, thought process was if, if God has created everyone, then that everyone has the right to go back to God. As mm-hmm. simple as that. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we believe one community doesn't have access or one gender doesn't have access to moksha, then we should exclude them from God's creation as well. Sure. So uh, when we include them in creation, they have the right to go back to God. So he brought, uh, though he uh, largely commented upon in Sri Bhashyam, Gita Bhashyam, Vedanta Deepam, Vedanta Saram, Vedartha Sangram, and Bhakti Yoga, mm-hmm. what he largely allowed people to practice or largely what he professed was Nyasa Yoga, which is Sharanagati. Yeah. 
so sharanagati uh, is all inclusive unlike unlike bhakti yoga bhakti yoga still has an exclusion of shudras and the women whereas uh, sharanagati includes even the animals into its fold so he thought sharanagati is more relatable and applicable to all mm. when the understanding of shastra shastras is going to exponentially come down he thought this is the only way out so he wanted to include the entire society into one fold of reaching god so that mm. way yes he has uh, kind of been within the system respected the system and kind of uh, made the system palatable and uh, acceptable to all genres okay okay so so good can i jump in for a second yeah Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Dushant, uh, this is my first time joining Mukunda on the podcast, so I still don't know the protocols. <laughs> so I, I, I keep asking him if I can jump in. But a question I have for you is something that um, I'm facing right now as a 37-year-old uh, Indian American living in the Bay Area. Is a, you can edit all this out if you want, Mukunda. A lot of Indian Americans uh, have an inferiority complex. and the reason they have this con- concept not among not, not even amongst just brahmins ayengars ayers tam brahms all this every indian american is because they they ask themselves the question if our civilization civilization was so great and we had such great philosophy such great practices how is it the white man conquered us how is it that the british man conquered us how is it that the that they like i'm living in the bay area right now why am i not living in bangalore where i'm from i'm from bangalore i'm from chennai why am i living in albany california berkeley california mukunda is living in southern california right now the reason is cuz the british conquered us so that like indian americans had this inferiority complex that were not as good as the white man um because they took over they conquered us And okay. so right now like half of your open So co- conquering uh, with respect to conquering and having a colonial rule in India mm. uh we cannot I, add, if, if, sorry to interrupt but if if our if our philosophy was the question the people ask me is like if your philosophy was so great if your knowledge was so great how did you allow this to happen to your civilization like okay. Wait, yes, I'll give you the answer. I, I understood your question. See, the point is, when we speak of a Mughal invasion or colonial, uh, the imperialism that we had in India, it had very little to do with philosophy. It rather had to do with power, money, and the way you manipulate things. But so, what, what, what good is philosophy? It doesn't manifest in the world. Yeah. So, for example, it's the same philosophy uh, uh, that probably uh, makes us accept. uh i uh, uh, see one thing that we need to understand is a philosophy will not help you fight on ground a philosophy is what will help you sustain see if we were uh, so gullible and so naive probably after the imperial rule we should have had the entire vedic civilization which should have been wiped out we didn't have that so the philosophy is very strong at its roots when i come to bay area i still have Uh, well, I, I was in Seattle. I had Americans listening to my lecture on Yadava Bhudayam. So, a civilization thrives on how well the philosophy is sustained, mm. and the rule in a country is determined by who's powerful. So, a philosophy will not help the ruler. Uh, probably, a philosophy can help the ruler become very naive and uh, ignorant because he'll start viewing the world as uh, 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 innocent, like how he could be. so probably that way the philosophy has spoiled us for choice and uh, uh, um, mm. uh, otherwise um, uh, 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 i i don't 
see that as a big factor today because um, uh, most ancient civilizations have been to Egypt, have been to China. So the civilization, the culture, the languages, the beliefs, the systems that they had during those civilization is also good on paper. Not one percent is seeable today because the mm. landscape has changed, the religion has changed, the belief system has changed. So if I go to Egypt, I just see the pyramids, the Sphinx, the Sun Temple at Luxor, the Nile River. Now, Nothing else of the civilization, the religion, the language, everything has changed. But today I still have the Aruna Prashnam, what was recited that day, even today. So if the civilization has sustained, it's only because of the resilience that we have shown in terms of patience. And uh, this has very little to do with uh, East India Company because I would thank them because otherwise I wouldn't be speaking English and I wouldn't be speaking <laughs> in the Western world about my civilization, which tells that even your path is as good as my path and both of us can still go to God. Right. And, and I, I think just to add to that, this is just a blip in time, right? This is a moment in time where, where especially if you look at the, the, the large span of Sanatana Dharma or Hinduism, it's 5,000 years of which 400 years, a little less than 10% is been under some sort of rule, right? Now we're reasserting, coming back to like I love what Dushan said at the beginning, we're not trying to spread it. We're trying to, you know, inform it, you know, to, to get it out to people, to get them to know. So on that, on that, on that note, I want to follow up a question in particular about Vishishta Dvaita in this. So Vishishta Dvaita is very much focused on, or sorry, Sri Vaisham is very much focused on uh, Vishnu and Lakshmi as, you know, the Paratatva, right? What does that first mean? And how does that connect to the other gods or other, other deities within the, the larger, you know, pantheon of, of Sanatana. Okay. Uh, before I answer this question, I'll connect my charger to the... Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sure, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Take your time, please. With respect to your question, Mukunda, um, first of all, we need, there has been a debate about this Vishnu-Lakshmi uh, uh, union itself mm. in Sri Vaishnavism. I'm not getting into what is right and what is wrong and what have been the interpretations. Mm. Just in overall approaches, we have had many hymns uh, from the Puranic times that talk about Vishnu and uh, Lakshmi's um, uh, Dampatyam and their uh, superiority. Mm. So uh, one thing that our Acharyas have relied upon is of course Ramayana. Mm. And uh, then Vishnu Purana, we have uh, uh, especially lines like Nitya Vesha, Jagannatha, Vishnu, Sri, Ranapayini. And that continues. And we have uh, verses from Lakshmi Tantram as well. Mm -hmm. Added to this, we have the uh, quotations of Tirivilla Tevarai Teren Minteva and so on. Agalagille Nirayumenna Alarmel Mangai Urai Marva from Alvar's verses. Mm -hmm. Now, coupled together, the first work that emerged exclusively on Lakshmi was uh, Yamunacharya's Chatushloki. So we have Kantaste Purushottamaha till Gadhopa Gudhanite, which is the last line of the fourth verse. Now, these four verses form the basis of understanding what that Paratattvam is in Sri Vaishnavism. Though we have had many, many works after that, Sri Stavam of Kuratarvan, Sri Gunaratna Kosham of Parashara Bhatta, Sri um, uh, Stuti of Vedanta Deshika, Lakshmi Shatakam by Na Kumara Na uh, Varadacharya, Lakshmi Sahastram by Ar so we have had many works on Lakshmi, but Yamunacharya's Chatushloki forms the basis. Yeah. 
Now, two major commentaries that emerged out of it was Periyavachan Pillai's commentary on Chatushloki and Vedanta Deshika's commentary on Chatushloki. Hmm. Now, with respect to Vedanta Deshika, he speaks in this commentary as well as in many other uh, 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 works that Dampati Devatam Naha. He says that the ultimate re- uh, uh, tattvam that we uh, uh, Jivatma has to reach out to is a Parabrahma Tattvam, which is the Dampati. So he treats the man and the woman, Narayana and Lakshmi, the couple as the Tattvam. Mm. Uh, there have been differing opinions. Now, how does the uh, how do the other deities fit into uh, uh, this system? So uh, there has been some amount of understanding and misunderstanding in our own uh, 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 philosophy. See, many of them, just because uh, Vedanta Deshika or Ramanuja state that Vishnu and Lakshmi, the divine couple form our upayam, our destination. They think that to ridicule, disregard or uh, underestimate other deities is their right, which is not true. Vedanta Deshika, for example, let's take Hayagriva Stotram. He tells, Dakshinyaramya Girishasya Murtihi Devi Sarojasana Dharmapatni Vyasa Deyopi Vyapadeshya Vajaha Sfuranti Sarve Tavashakti Leshaihi. So he tells that the a power of knowledge bestowed by Hayagriva falls on Dakshinamurti, who's Lord Shiva, on Saraswati Devi, who's the wife of Brahma, and Vyasacharya, who has given us scriptures. Nowhere he says one is greater and one is superior. Mm. He says this is how knowledge was uh, uh, dispensed. Likewise, when he speaks in Paduka Sahasram, he makes a very uh, beautiful reference of uh, Ardhanarishwara. Mm. Then uh, while uh, speaking in Hamsa Sandesham, he talks beautifully about uh, how uh, the breeze, He uh, Rama tells the uh, bird, Hamsa, that's going to fly to Lanka, that you'll be crossing Kanchipuram and there you will be cooled by the winds because the winds will carry uh, tiny droplets of water and snow which have been falling on Shiva's matted logs since he stays in Himalayas. Mm. And it will also carry the pollen grains of the flowers from a mango tree because it's Eka Ambreshwara. Eka Ambram means one mango tree. Yeah. And he also says that there will be pollen grains of Bandhujiva flower, which is red, because he has been keeping Parvati's feet on his head. <laughs> so he is so... And this is very similar to what he tells in Sri Stuti, Padalakshara Sankam. So there has been immense respect attributed by our Acharyas towards all the deities. But the philosophy states like how Mukunda, Krishna, Obama, Modi, mm-hmm. me, everybody form a part of Paramatma's body. Mm-hmm. Likewise, Lord Shiva, uh, Kartikeya, Vinayaka, Parvati, Brahma, Saraswati, Indra, Navagrahas, everybody also form a part of the body. Mm. So besides Vishnu and uh, Lakshmi, who is the core of that uh, body uh, Atma relationship, everybody else is a part of his body. Mm. So it's like, for example, this is my uh, right hand. This is my left hand. Mm. Now, both, I cannot say one is superior and one is inferior because both of them belong to the same Atma. Likewise, all these deities whom we speak are part of the Lord's body. So if I ridicule Lord Shiva or if I ridicule Parvati, I'm actually ridiculing the Jeeva, the Atma inside who is Vishnu. Mm. So at the same time, by see, for example, I worship Mukunda. Instead, I say I'm going to worship Mukunda's left hand. I'm going to worship Mukunda's left finger. The philosophers say when you worship Mukunda, 
it indirectly means you're worshiping all the the entire universe so uh, our understanding is respect every deity but worship only one okay interesting so so how so when a shiva shivite goes to for example um a shiva temple do they is it proper for them to give namaskarams and obeisances or um or to give a prayer is that is that something that's do like when like for example when you sing a song right now or krishna sings a song about madhuri meenakshi or shiva or what is what does that mean for them when they're singing see uh, traditionally uh, uh, scholars uh, in the uh, uh, vaishnava sampradayam have not been to any other place besides a uh, uh, vishnu temple in fact many of them have not even been to vishnu temples because for them their orthodoxy and their acharyam is so high that within their house only they have lived so going to one temple is something very unique mm. today people go to many temples because in those days badrinath muktinath tirupati was in a, was a luxury so mm. you have to you have to go in the forest so the shri vaishnava scholars in the uh, uh, yesterdays have rarely gone out to temples and even if they have been they have restricted themselves to vishnu temples mm. but today there are still people who say i will not go to a shiva temple that's their right but at the same time they don't mind going to a hagia sophia in istanbul <laughs> so uh, so so uh, this is a contradiction so sure. you, you, you why wouldn't you not go want to go to a shiva temple so the concept of not going sh- to a shiva temple is being raised not because traditionally i'm speaking on the book <laughs> there could be people who are like tivra uh, vaishnavites i'm not talking about them but why is what is the reason people generally ask me sir uh, we visit both tirupati and chidambaram but why don't you come to chidambaram so that's a question that they ask me but mm. i don't mind i have been to chidambaram but uh, the, the point is it's not related to the deity first mm. people should get over this it's not related to uh, lord shiva because if lord shiva is called an outcast or not to be worshiped then the brahmin scholar should stop reciting shri rudram and chamakam from vedas mm mm because in vedas there's nothing called an ayur vedam and ayangar vedam there's only one veda so yatayishu shivatama shivam babhuvate dhanuhu shiva sharavyata samradaya when i tell this in rudram i do it with the same devotion like how a smarta does so the tug of war is not with respect to the deity it is with respect to the agama see for example shaiva agamas which are the signs to build a shiva temple mm. Twenty-eight in number, like Nakulisha, Pashupatam, Kala Mukam, and so on. Mm. Now, all these uh, 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 agamas, along with the Puranas, like Linga Purana, Shiva Purana, mm. Mar, uh, 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 Agni Purana, they all form the basis of constructing Shiva temples. Yeah. Now, in for example, in Kanchipuram, you might have you you have heard of Varadaraja Swami temple. Yeah, I've been I've been to that temple. Yeah. You have been to Kamakshi Amman temple. Been, yes. Been to, I've been. You have been to Ekamre Ishvara temple. Yes. Yes. I'm not Now you must have heard of Kachapeshwara temple. I don't think have I you heard? No, no. Okay. Have you have you heard of Sharabheshwara temple in Kanchipuram? I have heard of that one but I have not been. Okay. Now in Kanchipuram if you do a bit of research you will find 10 other Shiva temples each of them based named after the avatars of Vishnu. The basis what the traditional shaivites have given us it seems lord narasimha came to uh, uh, protect his devotee and annihilate uh, hiranyakashipu 
in the due process they say that narasimha developed a lot of arrogance so lord shiva came as sharabheshwara to tear open narasimha so if you look at the west gopuram of meenakshi amman temple in uh, 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 madurai you can do a research you can even check on google if you do a zoom of the first two tiers of madurai meenakshi amman temple you will find pillar breaking and narasimha emerging out of it mm. the consecutive motif will be narasimha being uh, uh, torn by sharabheshwara Mm. now the same uh, 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 the same anecdote comes for all the 10 avataras and there are 10 temples in kanchipuram that commemorate this so matsya avatara is killed by a form of matsya of lord shiva mm. kurma avatara is killed by uh, uh, a kachapeshwara say similarly varaha similarly nisimha similarly vamana you've got now traditional vaishnavites have believed that the agamas could be different there is a shaiva agama there is a vaishnava agama the rituals could differ mm. but if ridiculing becomes a part of the culture see for example let's take uh, ranganatha swami temple in srirangam let's mm. take uh, venkateshwara swami temple in tirupati let's mm. take varadaraja swami temple in kanchipuram i'm talking about the prominent ones there are also huge temples beautiful architecture you've got the sesharai mandapam in srirangam you've got the 100 uh, uh, pillared kalyana mandapam kalyana utsava mandapam in kanchipuram constructed by achute devaraya around the 1520 we have um, uh, the beautiful ranga mandapam constructed in uh, venkateshwara swami temple mm. so there are motives there are descriptions but probably when you have time you have to go and if there is something wrong point out to me sure. is there some sculpture which ridicules shiva parvati ganesha or kartikeya is there something we have to do that yeah i don't so know so see the thing is what whatever little i have known or i have seen or i have researched it may not talk about them that's okay it's not talking about lord shiva it may talk only about krishna and rama that's okay but mm. imagine there is a, a, a there is a depiction of uh, vishnu coming and taking his chakra and cutting off shiva's head and there is a big sculpture would a shaivite come to this temple probably not no so when i find sculptures on the tiers of the gopuram where narasimha is being killed kurma avataram is being killed uh, varaha avataram is being killed and how will i be able to go to that temple so sure. vaishnavites have a point that see there is no problem with the vedic portions in the vedas that talk about the supremacy of lord shiva no problem yeah. at all we need to adhere and respect that be mm. shri rudram chamakam same is the case with puranas for example like how we have an ashtakshara mahamantram for lord vishnu there is a panchaksharam for lord shiva yeah. you will be surprised you know where does this panchaksharam mantras meaning come from it comes in bhagavata mahapuranam so there are three four sargas devoted only to explaining how great lord shiva's name is mm-hmm. so uh, now for example there is a temple where there are sculptures where lord vishnu is being ridiculed and people ask why don't you come to a shiva temple it doesn't augur well so my point is see for me i go to brihadeeshwara temple from an architectural point of view because i take courses on little courses whatever little i understand of architecture i'm not qualified in architecture yeah. so i take so i go to lord shiva's temple see for me it doesn't hurt me much because it's finally not lord shiva who said that you have to put such sculptures yeah. but a lot of vaishnavites believe that these are concocted stories formed by a lot of kings and influential people to create a feud between uh, the two systems sure so agree that there are uh, debates about uh, supremacy of lord shiva and vishnu i am not denying that but 
killing of one deity and a kicking of one deity i don't know whether this uh, goes well with any sect so sure. probably that's the reason why a lot of the traditional vaishnavites see nobody even gives a detailed explanation see what because of not giving a detailed explanation a lot of them start telling me sir nanga vande we go to shiva temple and vishnu temple but you are coming only to vishnu temple why this differentiation so i just laugh it out i don't even uh, take the take that to heart or i don't uh, shout at them because sure. if i have to give an explanation then lot of things they will ask see they'll say okay in madurai meena she temple uh, there is a sculpture of uh, lord shiva um, uh, uh, tearing open hiranyaka uh, narasimha but there is another temple where there is no sculpture can you come to that temple see it's not about coming to one temple and another mm-hmm. it's about the system for example mukunda owns three houses one in bay area one in atlanta and one in uh, uh, say the east coast and in one house you have a huge portrait of you spitting at my father in the center of your hall and i'm not coming to your house and then i'm saying i will go to bay area house because it doesn't have a portrait isn't it the same mukunda who's owning the three houses no i agree i agree with you i agree that that makes sense but isn't also the part of it that the same vishnu is in shiva the in the outside of all the like if if the temple is like a sharira right if it's like a body then you look past the body and get into the 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 spiritual the spiritual being within that temple which is vishnu there too right no i'm just asking no see uh, uh, when we speak of philosophy and the entire universe is the lord's shariram yeah. then naturally a brihadeeshwara temple a gangai konda cholapuram all that should feature because they are all pieces of wonderful architecture and devotion there is no doubt yeah. and the yeah. devotion of nayanmars is in ex- in ex- mosques the churches too right so uh, yeah so the, the 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 devotion exhibited by nayanmars is inexplicable mm. so it's at par with dalvars there's no doubt say i'm not talking about that Yeah. Now, when it comes to temple worship, now we cannot bring in philosophy. See, we need to, uh, for example, uh, okay, let me give you this example. Mm. In literature, we generally use similes. Mm. Oh, I, I, I'll use a Tamil uh, line. When someone who's very stout comes, I say, "Pushnika varud." <laughs> right. Tomorrow, when I make korambu, I cannot end up using that person. <laughs> so, a simile or a metaphor should stop at a certain extent. sure likewise when we speak of philosophy this is to bring a harmony in the society but when we deal with agama based temple worship the agamas are starkly different very very sure. different sure. because for example there are certain shaiva agamas that tell that to become a sanyasi the person has to go to a graveyard uh, apply the ashes from a burning corpse and hold a skull and Amalika. drink yeah so drink liquor so none of this goes with a basic vedic system forget vishishtadvaita see generally when we even go to a house to uh, uh, to uh, offer our condolences we come home and take bath yeah now going to a graveyard and taking the ashes is not vedic in nature and using the skull touching a skull and drinking liquor and becoming a sanyasi all this is not agreed in general vedic system so the fifth of shaivism and vaishnavism is just not based on lord shiva and vishnu it it's not beyond it's beyond them it's with the rituals but mm-hmm. i will give you one interesting thing about the harmony because when people listen to this they shouldn't feel that uh, we are talking about differences i'll give you one interesting uh, uh, feature mm. in one of the divya deshams called tirukannangudi tirukannangudi is very close to nagapattinam 
in tirukkannangudi uh, uh, when the utsavam happens for 10 days in a year mm. i think on the 8th day or the 9th day i don't remember or the, even the 7th day the divya prabandha goshti the brahmanas who with their huge kind of thiruman uh, on the 7th or 8th day they will apply vibhuti on their forehead because alvar tells he wanted the lord to appear as shiva to him so on that day in that pasuram the lord appears as rudramurti to alvar so to commemorate that they will put uh, vibhuti on the thiruman so there have been instances where there has been an exchange of good thoughts between the two uh, theologies as well but uh, uh, people say well, why can't everything come into one see this consolidation will work in gst goods and service tax but it doesn't uh, work well in theology or philosophy <laughs> um, I, i know <laughs> i know we've been taking a lot of your time krishna do you have any more questions you want to ask krishna you, you, you just brought it you yourself brought it up around this tirumanaman versus you know versus a vibhuti and all that you know you, you talked about ramanjacharya you know going for a universe universality but my my question to you is how do you think the general population views you when you walk outside with wearing your namam and things like that or or if you were to wear this or like is it is it do you think that it functions more as a way of um uh making yourself exclusive or or universal i i think about this because i have a lot of good friends who are my best friends are sikh people <coughs> other with a pagadi and they have their beards and they look very different from everybody else right and everywhere they go everyone knows you're different you're different so if we were i remember my father used to tell me to wear nawam to school and it it wasn't about universality it was constantly sticking out sticking out sticking out so my question to you is if we're aiming for universal universality why do we have why do we try to look different or mark ourselves differently than other people see uh, the the western world and the historians uh, uh, have largely believed have largely believed it's still a, a theory to a large extent where we have come from the paleolithic the mesolithic the neolithic the chalcolithic culture mm-hmm. so from the early men where they never were wearing dress then we started covering our private parts and then we started coming with different weaves and we have come a long way in terms of covering our body now just imagine a uh, a person who first came up with a piece of cloth to cover his private part in the early men stage the others would have asked him why do you have to look different from others because others are not sporting it mm. so i believe in a civilization over a period of time with respect to the language we speak the tone the tenor the cuisine everything evolves mm-hmm. and when a certain practice is not is not hindering the other person's spiritual growth when it is not mocking his growth and when it is not physically or financially tormenting him i believe and the civilization believes that such customs and rituals can continue for example i sport the tirman to me i find it blissful to me i find it good to me i find it as being following something what my ancestors have done now if it bothers somebody else's eyes the person should explain how see it's like uh, uh, for example then if we use this as an argument is as an argument uh, or a reason 
then probably the whites could also tell the blacks that your color is very intimidating to me correct so so i believe a person's color features what he or she sports what he or she applies shouldn't ideally logically bother someone but your question was to universally appeal to someone Mm. Uh, aren't we trying to make ourselves look different no ah. see for example if i walk on the streets of cupertino or the mg road of bangalore there are days where i don't sport the tirumant and there are days where i go with the tirumant so there is no uh, uh, there's no thought that i have to go or i should not go i have realized especially in the western world i've been to europe i've come to the us for many times for lectures that actually the good part is people are not bothered about what you're wearing mm see I, i go so many places uh, and especially in the bay area i've come to atlanta so many, 32 cities i've come to uh, us for giving lectures wherever i go i go with a panchakacham and thirman nobody has even bothered to look at me look then and then point to the other person see there no they don't do it so they are very very open about it now the point is a civilization will have some external features and characteristics to showcase how much ever we may or may not like it it will have so the universality of ramanuja's philosophy is with respect to the thought process and may not be with respect to the attire mm. so if at all uh, well i was in germany i had a, a maybe he was like 6 7 his height was 6 7 or even 7 feet i don't know i was I, because i am 6 1 i look like a lilliput in front of him so he was looking very german but he was sporting thirman on his forehead he came to the house where uh, uh, my host was uh, so he came and he had dinner with us and he spoke well he was a, absolutely a german but i didn't ask him why he was sporting at the end he said you didn't even ask me why you're uh, you, why you're sporting this german i said that's your choice he said no i have read a lot of philosophy books i was impressed with ramanuja's system i came to india found my route to one a guru had my samashram done i came back to germany and i'm a german so uh-huh. Uh, so he continues to be some i don't know his he is a german name we are not changing his identity he does it off his own mm. so if people like it they have the uh, uh, they have the absolute right to follow it but just because a person doesn't sport a tirman it doesn't mean he is no less a vaishnavite mm. uh-huh. we don't say that Good. so uh-huh. a beautiful answer i love it thank you i, I just one last question and then we'll wrap it up so no, i have one more question too mukundan before you okay. go ahead yeah yeah What what are your goals right now for the world? Like I know your your own spiritual journey is going on, but is there anything you're hoping for that 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 changes in the world or India or the world at large? Like, are you hoping for some change in particular, or uh, I'm just curious about are you frustrated by anything that's going on right now? Like, what what are you working towards right now aside from spreading the the, the wealth of you know Vedanta and Ramanujacharya's teachings? Are, do you okay. what are your goals right now so uh, uh uh in my understanding the last um 15 days on the 30th of july i have begun my abhinava e patashala which is uh, the online uh, uh platform uh, a contemporary or a modern online platform to acquire vedic knowledge so under this umbrella i have uh, premiered a course called bharatiya sarabodhani which is a course with, with about 21 subjects and 40 e lessons which will make 
any normal person in india or any other part of this world the diaspora make them feel proud about what ancient india was so i standing up for a janagana mana a national anthem for one minute or uh, producing a mexican wave in the auditorium while a virat kohli or the retired ms dhoni hits a sixer is not going to make me a great indian so in my aspect an indian is the one who realizes what kind of a history architecture literature astronomy astrology mathematics biological sciences metallurgy vedic scriptures that we have uh, bequeathed whatever has been bequeathed to us if i realize that is where i make i i become a true bharatiya so this was a course that i began and i want to come up with many many courses under this umbrella so this course was is a is a paid course so it's a paid course for 20 e lessons and uh, the course is going to begin this saturday and in 15 days with no promotion just with a post on facebook and twitter we have had 1639 paid registrations by wow. uh, sishyas wow. across five continents and 27 countries and, uh, yeah. we have two christians who have registered for the course and uh, because uh, uh, it, it, the, the the course has term terms and conditions the first term is you have to be respectful of hinduism as a religion and civilization second rule is you will have to be equally respectful of other world religions only if you agree to this you can sign up that's great that's so amazing. so, so we had people coming and uh, we have batch 2 registrations which have began uh, which have begun very recently and uh, the first e class for batch 2 is beginning on uh, vijayadashmi october 25th so i see the urge in the masses to know something about our culture so i feel probably this will be the path that i will be taking henceforth that's fantastic and okay. the last question connects to this and then then we can let you go is what is it that this the world today can gain from ramanujas or uh shivaishnavism that can really impact the way we engage with each other or engage with the world so um uh-huh one thing that uh 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 ramanuja's philosophy advocates is we are different by various factors be it birth practice education economic status uh we call it varnashrama then race nationality and so on though there may be such huge disparities visible disparities that we see between us the jeevatma tatvam which is housed in all of us is the same and is equal before the eyes of the lord so there is no nothing like your god and my god there is nothing like your jeevatma and my jeevatma we are equal before god and the second thing what ramanuja's philosophy also states is just uh, raw knowledge from scriptures uh, will not take us a long way it is only when the such knowledge is uh, interspersed with love and devotion will that knowledge be uh, of any value to us or to the society so ramanuja's philosophy of devotion interspersed with knowledge that bhakti roopa apanna gyanam is very very applicable to the world if 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 that bhakti element comes into knowledge in the world i don't think we will be fighting for religions and we will be ridiculing deities aha uh-huh. well the uh, should thank you so much for your time is there anything else you, you. want to say or anything else you want to plug is there you know something like that i have to register for your class is it yes, on deshika that's a good one 
It's desikadaya.org slash AEP. AEP stands for Abhinava E. Patashala. Once you go to that particular URL, it's a step-by-step process. It will take we'll put the through. link in the description. I'll put the link in the description. Any, any last things yeah. you want to say before we log off? Uh, thank you for uh, taking your time and uh, for having had a... Uh, see, uh, generally people say it's a fruitful discussion. I think we should leave the word fruitful for the audience to say. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it was a good discussion. Very good talking to the both of you. Namaskar. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah.